You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. What's up, folks? Welcome to the MSP Zone, where we talk about managed services all day, all night, without stop, guaranteed. Even during the holidays, this is what we're going to be doing. Hey, before we get started, go to our YouTube channel, click the like button, click subscribe. That's the most important. Subscribe button, give that a press. And that way, when we have new content, you'll be notified. And guess what? We get enough of you guys doing that. We'll be able to do some live streaming and some really cool stuff really soon. We're, we're really looking forward to that in the 2024 uh, year, which scary. It's coming up sooner, sooner than we expected. Got a ton of material to get through in this episode, so I'm just going to dive right in, folks. Uh, I, I I hope I can cram it all in in about 30 minutes, and I think I'll, I'll do it. MSPs versus vendor-controlled remote access. Very critical thing. We're talking about the FBI. There's an FBI guidance or note that came out. Uh, we'll address that. The difference between managed and unmanaged IT. We've covered this before, but now Microsoft just came out with a brilliant quote um, I'm going to read it to you and kind of tie that into what we're also seeing here in the in the cyber world as it relates to managed services. And then third, I'm going to get to a friendly M&A challenge for you MSPs out there that are interested in doing mergers and acquisitions. It's not a tr- true challenge, but I'm going to challenge you in the new year of 2024 on things that you might want to do differently for your MSP practice as it relates to M&A. Stay tuned. Okay, MSPs and vendor-controlled remote access. So if you have not been paying attention, um, there was an FBI advisory. They send these things out from time to time. Um, just, you know, they're public. Uh, they're, they're not classified or anything like that. So they're designed to be read by everybody and, and everybody reads them, the good guys and the bad guys. Um, but it's an, it's an FBI advisory to the private sector, that means non-government agencies, um, dealing with, it doesn't say MSPs anywhere in the note. I've read it a couple of times. If it's buried someplace like in a, in a note or a footnote, I haven't seen it. But they're, in my opinion, they're clearly talking about MSPs or they're, they're, they're directing the note at MSPs, even though they don't expressly state it. And I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I mean, they, they know what they're doing. There's some pretty smart folks there. Um, so I assume they understand who they're writing this and publishing this note for. Um, but again, they don't mention MSPs, but I think there's some things we as MSPs can learn from this note. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, I'll include a link in the show notes so you guys can go view it for yourself. It's not a very lengthy note, you know, but but it's important. Um, number one, I've already addressed, right? This is not an MSP explicit advisory. Um, but in my opinion, it obviously implicates or involves and should be read by MSPs because it addresses things that tools that MSPs use and practices that MSPs obviously take part in. That's number one. 
Number two, and 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 by the way, the, the, the research note itself, just because you guys are probably thinking, well, what does it say? What does it say? Um, the title of the of the note says ransomware actors continue to gain access through third parties and legitimate system tools. All right. Through third parties, they don't say MSPs, but it could include MSPs. Don't know if the FBI meant to say MSPs and didn't actually use that term for whatever reason, but third parties could include MSPs. And number two, cyber actors, bad cyber actors, ransomware actors are gaining access to customers through legitimate system tools. What does that mean? Legitimate system tools. It means that the the, the ransomware actors are not creating their own malware, um, third party system tools, and and deploying. I mean, they are doing that. But what they're what what this is saying is, look, they're getting into the door through legitimate tools, tools that already exist. And I don't have to go through the litany. You guys already know, right? I'm gonna I'm not gonna call attention to to what these these people are doing, but you you know. We've talked about it here on this this podcast. We've written about it at MSPAlliance.com. And not just us, but many, many other folks have covered this. So you should know by now. But that's who the FBI is mentioning, is third parties and third-party tools are the entryway. It's the, it's the window or the door that the thieves are coming into your house. That's the method of, of entry. Um. And I'd like to just, and again, I don't know if if they're avoiding the term MSP for a reason. Um, if they are, I don't know what that reason might be. But I can certainly, I have firsthand experience um, in some pretty high profile breaches that were not highly publicized. They were covered, so they're public events. And I've actually talked to the people who were involved in them. And the the people, the the victims, all right, in, in some of these cases, they're they're government agencies, government, actual governments, who were breached, but they weren't breached through an MSP. And they but they were breached through a, a legitimate system tool. And I think I just answered my own question before when I said I didn't know why the the FBI maybe didn't use MS, MSP anywhere in this note. It's a long shot, but it's a, it's a possibility that maybe enough of them are watching and listening to MSP Zone, you know, over the years, and they've come to realize that yeah, maybe maybe the vast majority of these breaches are coming in not through re- legitimate MSPs, but they're coming in through. Non-MSPs. What's a non-MSP? Well, a non-MSP could be a break-fix company. It could be a reactive IT company. It could be a consultant, an IT consulting firm. It could be a vendor who makes a legitimate system tool and deploys that legitimate system tool into a customer environment, but doesn't actually manage it. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, who the heck would have that as a business model and who the heck would be dumb enough to buy a software 
or a platform or something like that and not have it managed professionally. Well, there's a lot more, a lot more of that than, than, than you may realize, globally speaking. Um, and back to the story that I was talking to you about, about this fairly extensive breach that happened, I, th- I think, last year. May, may have happened this year. It, it, was, it was at a state government level, and it involved a business application that the state used that was sourced and installed and managed by the vendor. But the vendor was not a MSP. The vendor didn't do anything close to managed services on that application. The vendor only coded the application, then sold it, and then stood it up into a data center that the, I guess, that the, you know, on-premise at the customer environment. But they didn't manage any of it. And because they didn't manage any of it, that vendor got breached. And that vendor's customers, which just so happened to be of a, a state government and all the little municipal governments that relied and used that tool, also got breached. That happened. But it wasn't an MSP. So that would fit very nicely into this FBI research note or advisory note that is warning everybody about, hey, look, you you really need to pay attention to these third parties, not MSPs, and legitimate system tools that you might be using right now, today. And I think that that's really important. Now, those of you out there who are actual MSPs, you're saying, yeah, okay, well, this is this is not new to us. I mean, we preach this all day long to our customers. This is what we do for our managed services customers. Yeah, I get it. I, I'm with you, folks. I'm, I, I get it. But there's a lot, out, a lot of customers out there that don't have MSPs like you out there looking out for them, helping guard their IT assets. And then the note, the advisory note goes on and lists, and I'm not going to read all of it, but a, a fairly detailed list of kind of best practices, right? Are you, you know, if you, if you want to prepare for a cyber incident and become what we call cyber resilient, maintain offline backups of data. Okay, good. Uh, make sure the backup data is encrypted. Also good. Uh, identity and access management, right? All accounts, make sure that they're under sort of some sort of IAM, you know, protocol. Um, using multi-factor authentication, good. Uh, using some sort of EDR, good, 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 good. I, I'm not knocking this, folks. I, I'm not. I'm not knocking it at all because I think this is good that the FBI is out there pushing this type of awareness and letting you know, what I'm assuming are largely non-managed services customers, you know, letting them know this is what you need to be doing. I'm telling you, and, you know, I'm sure FBI watches and listens to this stuff, so I guess I'm telling them as well. None of this stuff is revolutionary. In fact, all of this stuff is covered, has been covered for 20 years. Well, most of it covered for, for 20 years by MSP Verify. This is not revolutionary, new, cutting-edge stuff. This is best practices. These are managed services, best practices, and fundamentals that every MSP out there ought to be doing, period, for themselves 
internally and for their customers as a managed service. So we are very much in sync with the FBI. We appreciate what they're doing. I I think that this is now that I'm 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 chewing over, you know, this this material and trying to figure out, you know, who it was really aimed at. I don't think it was aimed at MSPs. I think that this was aimed at brick fix companies. Which, yeah, we need awareness there too. And I think that this is aimed maybe at MSPs who still have brick fix customers. We're going to talk about that in the next topic segment. Um I think that that's who it was aimed at. Anyway, give it a read. And for those of you who are, you know, you're struggling to talk to your customers who are not on the managed services bandwagon, maybe print a copy of this FBI advisory and bring it to your next quarterly business review or email it to them, better yet, and just say, hey, look, you don't listen to us. Uh, maybe you should listen to the FBI. I mean, Folks, you can't get a better sales tool than an advisory note from the FBI warning the private sector to basically do all the things that MSP Verify and Managed Services Best Practices for 30 years has been advocating. It's right there. It's good. Use it to your advantage. Okay, moving on. And moving on, but in a similar theme. Um, for a long time, we've been talking about the differences between managed and unmanaged IT, right? Um, and they're very different. And I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time talking about it, but you guys know what I'm talking about. I was reading last couple of weeks, and I saw this Microsoft quote. I don't know who at Microsoft said it, so uh, someone might want to fact check this and find out where the source came from because I couldn't find out an individual, but, but it, it's being attributed to, to Microsoft. And, and I'll read you the quote. All right. 80 to 90% of all compromises originate from unmanaged devices. Most human operated ransomware attacks attempt to compromise or gain access to unmanaged or bring your own devices, BYOD, personal devices used to access work-related systems and information. These typically have fewer security controls and defenses. All right. Now, again, some of you are out there saying, geez, this, this is pretty common sense stuff, Charles. What are you, what are you bringing this up for on, on MSP Zone? This is, this is kind of, you know, basic, basic. I mean, this is beyond basic. This is just like the fundamental stuff. This is what you learn in MSP 101. Yeah, it is. You see the theme here? First, it's the FBI, or, you know, cybersecurity advisory note. Then it's Microsoft. People and organizations who previously never really talked that much about this stuff are now starting to talk about this stuff more and more frequently. Why are they talking about this more frequently? I think... It's because the stakes are so high that everybody has a role to play in getting the word out. Even Microsoft, even the FBI, everybody, everybody's got a role to play. So I'll, I'll include that quote 
up in the research in in the show notes so you guys can read it. And again, I, I apologize. I don't like you know. I don't know if this was a press release that came out through Microsoft or if it's just something that showed up on their website. Um, but it, it sounds like something that Microsoft might say. And I don't disagree with it, by the way. I mean, factually, I, I, I would pr- agree with all of it. But if you, if you read that or listen to that Microsoft quote and you still think that reactive IT is a viable business model, Think again. Think again. Now, the quote doesn't go on and say that. I'm, that this is my interpretation, my op- opinion of that quote and what it means in the managed services profession. And what I think it means is there is absolutely no role for reactive or break-fix IT today. I've said this a couple of years ago. Some of you may remember because it, it created a lot of a lot of stink out there because people say, I mean, you can't, you can't be talking about reactive IT, man. We, we still have a lot of customers who are on break fix. You can't do that, man. I used to say, and I still say, but I've been saying for a long time, break fix or reactive IT is dead. It died a long time ago. It's dead. As a business model, it's dead. As a consumer-grade service, it's dead. Now, I know some of you out there have break-fix customers. I know you do. And I am not taking issue with you as a provider because I know there's a lot of really good MSPs out there who have customers, and they're, and they're thankfully, I think, not a, a majority but they have some customers who are just like clinging on to this old way of doing things. And I can't for the life of me figure out what it is. Maybe they, maybe if there's a, and I don't even know if it's an increase in payment an increase in fees issue. Maybe it's a, that it's an ongoing thing, right? That it's, Oh, I don't want to spend that every single month. I only want to call you when I have a problem, when something breaks, maybe it's a financial issue like that. I don't know. Break, fix, reactive IT is dead. It has been for a couple of years. What break, fix, and reactive IT today means, if you're an MSP, is you've got some customers who are still reluctant and clinging on to an outdated model of IT. But it's not IT management. So don't call it. Don't call it IT management. It's it's. Better to call it crime scene cleanup because that's what break fix is. At some level, it's a problem happened. Maybe someone kicked out the Ethernet cord and the printer went offline or the email stopped working, the internet stopped working, the Wi-Fi stopped working, Um, something. Something bad happened. Someone clicked on a link that they shouldn't have. And because they didn't back up their data, they're calling you and saying, hey, can you, can you fix, fix us? Can you bring us back up online? Even though we don't do anything close to what you've been advocating us to do for the last couple of years, we still want you to come in. Right? That's crime scene cleanup. That's just picking up the remnants of a crime or a, a catastrophic breakdown or something close to that in an IT environment. 
and I know I'm being a little poetic here, guys, cut me some slack, right? Not every brick fix issue is a major issue. I get that. Sometimes it's just basic stuff breaking and, and it needs to be attended to. But MSPs can do that, right? Number one, it's not managed IT. Don't call it managed IT. It's unmanaged IT. It's ungoverned IT. It's insecure IT. Maybe if you put that onto your invoice, and instead of put, calling it break, fix, or time and materials, or block hours, you call it unmanaged crime scene IT service. Maybe that'll get it across someone's head and get them to, to flip and actually make the change and upgrade to a managed services style of relationship. But if you are like, this is my second point, if you are like many MSPs out there, and I know a lot of you who, in addition to the bulk of your customers who are managed services customers, you probably have a few lingering customers that you just don't, I, I know you don't want to get rid of them. You like them. You have good relationships with them. Some of them probably going back many, many years. I get it. I get it. You don't want to cut them loose. Here's my advice. You need a plan and you need a plan that you can enact. And the plan isn't, I'm just going to keep them on break, fix, reactive forever and let them run out the clock. If rising cyber insurance premiums, if guidance advisory notes from the FBI and other, many, many other governments, government agencies all around the world, including here in the United States and Canada and Australia and the UK and EU and elsewhere, and all of the knowledge that we sit on and we have access to, if that material doesn't convince your break fix or reactive IT customer that they need to change, you need to have a plan to get rid of them. Because let me tell you what's happening here. That break fix customer is using you to throw all of their risk onto you. Now, they're not going to say it like that, but that's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. That break, fix, reactive company is shifting as much of their risk onto you and saying, I'm not going to pay to do anything close to modern day cybersecurity or IT management best practices. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. But I am going to expect that you, for my block hours, retainer, or whatever you call it, they're going to take advantage of that as much as they can. And that's a dangerous position to be in for you and for them. Have a plan. Have a plan to transition them into a managed services contract, into a managed services relationship before it's too late. But have a plan and have a plan for if they say no, what you're going to do. And I would think long and hard about whether or not keeping them is in your best interest. Think about it from a corporate risk, governance, not just revenue. Think about it. Think hard. Okay. Now that we're done with that, let's get on to some little, little more exciting stuff, M&A. Um, 
I know a lot of you out there are in an M&A mindset. That is to say that you are looking at and you fancy yourself a merger and acquisition professional and you want to be in the high stakes world of M&A. Who wouldn't? In managed services, it's a lot, lot of M&A going on. And I'm not down on M&A. Um, I think it's very, very uh, vital to not just managed services, but all industries. It's a vital, necessary tool, indispensable tool in business. What is your M&A strategy? I'm going I'm to give you three kind of, kind of basic starting point questions to take back to your boardroom, take back to your management retreat. A lot of you doing end of year, you know, next year, 2024, kind of strategic planning over the next couple of weeks and months. Take this stuff back, listen to what I have to say, and, and maybe try to digest it and make sense of it and see if it can be incorporated into your strategy for 2024. Number one, do you have an M&A strategy? Right? Saying, I want to do an M&A deal in 2024 is not an M&A strategy. Sorry, it isn't. <laughs> that's, that's a statement. It's a declarative statement. It's not a business strategy. Um, have a strategy. Hopefully you have a, MSP strategy or a company strategy. And assuming you do, you should also, if you're of the mind to do some M&A deals, you should have a very crisp idea of what M&A is going to do to further your corporate objectives next year. That's number one. Number two. If you look at mergers and acquisitions solely or predominantly to drive revenue growth in your MSP or your business, get set for disappointment. Now, I can already hear a lot of you, you know, having a seizure or having having a panic attack or whatever, you know, freaking out about what I just said. Let, let me explain. You should be growing organically anyway as a company. There is no replacement for organic growth. You can't buy your way out of stagnation. Okay? That's, that's really what I'm saying. And it's not just me. Everybody says it. It's, it's, it, it's not going to solve a problem of lack of growth. You should be growing anyway. Why do we say that? One, it shows that you've got a refined business plan, business model, and a service delivery product in your managed services, that is, that is striking a bell ringing true, whatever euphemism you want to call it, you've got a product that people want to buy. How do we know that? Because they're spending their money and you are growing organically. That's how we know. If you don't have that, what is going out and buying a whole bunch of companies going to accomplish? 
Is it going to change the fact that you have a lackluster product that you might be charging too little or too too much for, or you can't figure out how to articulate it and message it and you can't sell it? Is it going to solve any of those problems? Probably not. Don't let lack of organic growth confuse you into thinking that the only way to achieve or to to kickstart your your growth engine is by doing an acquisition because it's not going to solve the problem. In fact, what I'll tell you it's going to do, it's going to drive you deeper into a hole and it's going to it's going to put you in a much worse position than you started off with. All right? I I know some of you might not like to hear that, but that's that's the truth. And I've seen that happen so many times. Don't look at M&A as a growth oriented tool. It's not that. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't look to grow your revenue when doing M&A. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't look at it as exclusively or predominantly only through a lens of revenue. Which brings us to the second point or the third point. What should you be looking at from an M&A standpoint? Well, I've got kind of three fundamental kind of obvious I mean, really obvious things that I've, from my analysis of, of good M&A deals that I've seen in the MSP space over 20 plus years, and I've seen a good, a good number of them. I've seen a lot more bad ones, but I've seen a, a, a fair amount of really good ones. They all have this in common. Number one, the M&A deal gets the acquirer or the merger, right? I'm using those terms interchangeably here, but it, it, it gets the buyer a new geography. Right? Maybe they want to expand into a new city, a new state, new country, new time zone, whatever. A new geography, a new presence, a new office someplace. Very critical, a very legitimate reason to do M&A, number one. Number two, service expansion. What does that mean? It means uh, maybe you're in managed services, traditional IT. You haven't been dabbling that much in security, but you know that security is really important. So what do you do? You go out and buy an MSP that has really significant chops in, in, in managed security services. You add new services, a new service line through an acquisition. Really good. I mean, th- those are f- ideal for a whole variety of reasons I don't want to get into, but you can probably think of what those, you know, cross-selling opportunities and, and, and more. Service expansion. Finally, market or customer expansion, right? Let's say you are an MSP and you've only been dealing with casinos in Nevada, in Canada, and in Europe, that's all you do. But you say, hey, look, I want to be a little more diversified. We just don't only, only want to deal with you know casinos as our managed services customers. We want to get into banks. All right, well, customer expansion. Buy an MSP that services banks or has banks, bank customers as their managed services portfolio. Market or customer vertical expansion. Geography, service expansion, type of services you can offer, or the types of customers you can service. Those are three really good fundamental M&A strategy targets, which is to say, 
when you look at your M&A strategy next year, or if you're looking at it now, if you're actively looking at a deal now, think and ask yourself, is it going to get me any one of those three? Geography, service, or customer expansion, customer vertical expansion. I don't mean, so there's no confusion here. I don't mean that it's going to get you more customers. What I mean is it's going to give, get you a different type of customer than you're typically accustomed to. If it does one of those three, check the box. Good. Then here's my next, and here's, here's the thing that's going to be a, a shocker for you. Ask yourself, does this deal double my revenue? Why do I say that? Why would I say, does the deal double your revenue? Didn't you just say that you shouldn't be looking to grow your revenue? Okay, I did say that. But I also said, if you're growing organically, and if you are going to get a geographic service expansion or customer market vertical expansion through an M&A deal, those are, you need at least one of those. If you can get more than, if you get two or all three of them, perfect. But then also, if you're going to do a deal like that, ask yourself, does it double your size? Why am I saying that? I, I hear a lot and I talk to a lot of MSPs out there and I'm just going to throw out some round numbers, right? You're a, let's say you're a $5 million company and you're out there doing $500,000, million deals, right? The, the acquisition targets you're looking at are $500,000, $750,000, a million dollars, but they're not really over that. And you're a $5 million company yourself. What does that deal get you? All right, if you said, all right, well, it's getting me a geographic expansion or it's getting me a service expansion or it's getting me a customer expansion, I'd accept that. I think that I'd say that that's probably a good, good enough reason to go do the deal. But I know from talking to a lot of you that those things aren't really what you're looking for. You're just looking to do a couple of deals so that you can get to five point. 1 million or get to 6 million. There's an old saying in, in mergers and acquisitions, which is a million dollar deal is just as risky as a hundred million dollar deal. Especially when you're dealing with other people's money, especially that. And, and that phrase comes from the viewpoint that a buyer is going to, or should be doing due diligence of the same caliber and probably the same cost on a $100 million deal as they would on a $1 million deal. Now, if, if you don't understand that, then you know, contact me and I'll explain it offline. But trust me, from financial due diligence, legal, legal costs, lawyers, the accountants, number crunchers, and that's not even counting in the, the soft costs of travel, meetings, getting to the letter of intent stage, doing all the negotiations, all that stuff, even getting right up to and through the due diligence period. It's going to cost a company, a buyer, a, a relatively fixed amount of money every single time they do that process. If they're good, if they're good, it's going to be very fixed, almost like a, a, a known cost of doing a deal, which is why the saying occurred in the first place. 
hey, look, if you already know you're going to spend this much money, well, you might as well make the the return as big as you can because, right, from their vantage point, it's the risk has already been dealt with in due diligence every single time. They, they know what they're looking for. They know how to run that as a process. So why not look for a $100 million deal because the return is far better than just doing a whole bunch of $1 million deals. You get where I'm coming? You, you get what I'm saying? Try doing deals that make a difference in your M&A and MSP practice. If you're only doing small incremental deals, I would argue you're just adding risk with very little reward. Now, if you told me, hey, we're a $5 million company, we, we have a $1 million MSP that we want to buy because they've got a, a geographic a service or a customer vertical expansion. And you know it's not that much incremental revenue, but we're going to really make... Um, we're going to be able to really use that skill set or that geographic expansion or whatever it is. We're, we're really going to be able to monetize that. That's a perfect example. And, and I think that that's a really well thought out strategy. But if, if you're not checking any of those, those first three boxes and you're, you're looking at like, you know, a, you know, a small incremental amount of growth, I, I would argue that, that what's the risk relative to the return. And maybe maybe you should be walking away from those types of deals and looking more for strategic M&A deals that check those boxes, get you something that you can actually use in your practice. And if you're really lucky, come close to doubling or, or materially impacting your, your bottom line or your top line. That would be my friendly New Year's challenge to those of you out there thinking about mergers and acquisitions in the new year, making that a critical strategy uh, for your growth. Um, think about it. If you have questions, I'd be happy to to spend some time with you offline, answer your questions or comments. If you want to post them, happy to, happy to take that as well. Um, but give it some thought because what, what I'd hate to do is have, have you guys go out there and waste your time and, and, have all that risk only to have very little reward. That to me just never made any sense. But let me know what you think. Till next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.